Good stuff. Whew. Let's take up an offering. I just feel the presence of God. Feels good. Lord, bless this offering. Multiply it. Use it for your purposes. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for giving. Thank you for your generosity. Whew. Bless your name, oh God, you're so good. Lord, you're so good. Lord, give your people what they need today. Lord, pour out your oil on those who feel dry. Just have a sense that for some it's been a rough week. <laughs> Lord, just... Give your people what they need. Bless your people today. Bless your people. Got a few things going on this week. As usual, on Tuesday, there'll be um, prayer at Jenny's house at 10 a.m. There'll be some intercession going on for those of you who are interested in that. And Tuesday night at 8 o'clock, we'll have our second week of the Art of Hearing God course. Um, if you wanted to come and you missed the first week, you can still come this week. If you've taken the course before and have a manual, you're welcome to sit in for nothing, for free. Um, if you've never taken a class before and you'd like to, it'll just be at the price of a, uh, the manual for the course. There's a 300-page manual, and there's a, a $50 fee for that manual. Ooh, food pantry on Wednesday at 6. goes till 7.30. This past Wednesday, the ladies had a blast at a... At a movie night, there was a classic movie. How many of you ladies came for that? It seemed like every lady in the church was there. <laughs> you guys seemed to have a whole lot of fun. I was in my office and heard lots of laughing. <laughs> Last week was a classic movie, Philadelphia Story, right, babe? And this week is uh, another classic, Some Like It Hot, <laughs> with uh, Marilyn Monroe and Tony Curtis and Jack Lemmon. What kind of church is this? <laughs> Bring a friend, bring your favorite movie snack. <laughs> On Thursday night, we, we, have a, we just started a men's group. Last week, we watched the first episode of Band of Brothers. It was good. It's a powerful series. We watch them, the, each episode takes a little, about an hour, maybe a little bit more. And then we sit and we talk about it for a while. Episode two is called Day of Days. So men 17 and older, older you're welcome to join us on Thursday nights for that at 8. Friday night's prayer here at the church, 8 o'clock in the prayer room. This Saturday, um, there's a youth event, right? Anybody from the youth group here? They're all busy doing youth stuff. Check the website. I think uh, they're meeting at 6 o'clock at Jones Beach. There's a concert. Um, POD is going to be there. Cutlass and um, Greg Laurie is going to be speaking. You can check the website for more info. Sunday mornings, we have prayer in the prayer room from 9 to 10. It's been a hot, hot place. Next Sunday, there will be a Sunday school teachers meeting after the service. It's June 14th. Also, next Sunday at 3 o'clock, we're gonna, it's going to be a party at Ginny's house for, for Anna, celebrating that this Friday, Anna, this past Friday, Anna became an American citizen. We are so proud of you. Thank you. A couple other bits of good news. Matt, it's good to have you back. How are you feeling, bud? 
You look great. Successful surgery. Boy, it's, it's good to see you here today. It's a pleasant surprise when I see you in the back. And today is your lovely bride's birthday, isn't it? Yeah. Angela, happy birthday. And Nadine and I share your special day. Today is our 28th wedding anniversary. She deserves a medal. That woman has followed me all across the country and back. 28 amazing years. Did I miss any announcements? Happy birthday, Tim. Anything else? I think I try to cover all the bases. We got lots of stuff going on. Please find what has life for you. We offer lots of options so that um, you have lots of options. So go where life is. All right, if you have Bibles with you, open up to Matthew 18. I've been preaching a series of messages called Live Love. And this will be Live Love 3 today. In Live Love 1, we looked at the classic verses on love in Scripture, 1 Corinthians 13. We took a look at what does it mean to live love and how do we do it. Last week in my second message in this Live Love series, we looked at um, some more classic verses. In John 15, the Jesus' text on the vine and the branches, we talked about how we could stay connected to love. And we talked about two different paradigms of looking at those verses. If we read those verses on the vine and the branches, we can have a, a paradigm or a, a point of view of, of focusing on fruit or focusing on relationship. And I really feel strongly from my insights into the text and the things I shared with you last week is that God's all about relationship. It's all about relationship and intimacy with him. And we talked uh, out of that context, we talked about the connection between love and freedom. Freedom's real high value for me. And it's telling to me that the most loving act in all of human history, the cross, was also the most liberating act. It brought the most freedom. Truly it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. I shared with you last week that I'm concerned that the church, the whole church, suffers from PBC, or a performance-based Christianity, and it's got to change. If we're going to be who God wants us to be, we've got to be loose. We've got to be set free from being performance-based and be more relationship-based. It's difficult, if not impossible, to live love without freedom. The only way we could be a people who live love, the only way we could be a people who truly love one another is with freedom. So there are free copies of all those messages on our new website, uh, bridgelongisland.com. You can go on there, and usually within an hour after the service, the, the latest sermon is up there. And so you can go there and click on it and just listen to it on your computer, or you can download it into your favorite um, you know, MP3 device. So that's there for you. Today, I, my third message on live love, I want to focus on forgiveness. We want to be a people who live love you know, part of the way, live in love, where the rubber meets the road, real life, practical, live in love, is we need to be able to forgive. So I want to take a look today at uh, Jesus' parable of the unmerciful servant in Matthew 18. 
I want to talk about what forgiveness isn't and what forgiveness is. So if your Bible's open in Matthew 18, I'm going to read beginning of verse 21. And today I'm using the New American Standard. Jesus came to him and said, Lord, how often shall I forgive my brother's sin against me? How often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he had begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. But since he did not have the means to repay, the master commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children and all he had to repay the debt. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I'll repay you everything. And the Lord said to the slave, And the Lord, and the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. But the slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And he seized him and began to choke him, saying, Pay back what you owe. So his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, Have patience with me, and I'll repay you. But he was unwilling and went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what he owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their Lord all that happened. Then summoning him, the Lord said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way I had mercy on you? And the Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. This is Jesus speaking. He says, My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from his heart. Let's pray. Father God, these are sobering verses. (laughs) I ask that you would bless me today and help me convey your truth with your heart to your people. And I pray for those gathered here, Lord, that you would prepare their hearts to receive your word. I ask that your word would impact us and change us and make us to be more like Jesus. Amen? Amen. So today we want to, talk, want to continue talking about being a people who live love. Before I got here, I prayed. I prayed a lot about coming here. And a phrase, a, a term that I just, in the spirit, I heard again and again and again was the phrase, live love. I think God wants us to be a people. I know that God wants us to be a people live love if we're going to do that if we're really going to do that then we've got to get a handle on this forgiveness thing I believe that forgiveness is one of the most practical expressions of living love Josh McDowell says that forgiveness is the oil of relationships isn't that good when there's friction in a relationship right The oil is what allows people to continue to interact with each other with maybe some less uh, heat, (laughs) less sparks flying. 
it's amazing the ability that forgiveness has to reduce friction and dissipate heat. I think I've used this verse the last few weeks, and I'll probably continue to use it. It's just so apropos. Jesus said, all men will know we are his disciples if we love one another. Forgiveness in the world, out among people, those who are watching us, those who know we are his disciples. Forgiveness is one of the most visible examples of Christian love. It sets us apart from the world. It sets us apart from the world's standard. Forgiveness isn't the standard of the world. Vengeance is the standard of the world, right? You ever been cut off on the highway? <laughs> is your natural human worldly inclination to forgive them? <laughs> or run them off the road, you know? So I want to take a closer look at Jesus' take on forgiveness in Matthew 18. I, just to give credit where credit's due, uh, there's a study guide by a, a man by the name David Guzik. And on Matthew 18, I found it to be really useful in helping to prepare today's message. So Peter asks a question, and Jesus offers, offers his response on the issue of forgiveness. Peter says, Lord, how often shall, I, shall my uh, brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? And Peter's thinking, hey, look how cool I am. You know? I'm saying it seven times. You see, the teaching of the day, you know, the message that was taught by the rabbis, the Jewish rabbis in that culture, was that all you had to do is forgive up to three times. And Peter's thinking, hey, I'll double it and then add a little bit more. Right? I'll look pretty good. And Jesus just blows him out of the water. Up to seven times? Jesus says, how about 70 times seven? I'm sure Jesus' answer surprised Peter. <laughs> and when Jesus said 70 times seven, he surely wasn't saying, okay, 490 times you could forgive him. On that 491st time, he's yours. Have at him, right? If that were the case, Stevie and I never would have made it to 28 years, right? <laughs> you should have let me have it a long time ago. No, I think what Jesus is trying to say, he's using hyperbole. No, and there's an unlimited number. It's always, 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 always forgiveness is the option you should take. Jesus goes on to make his point concerning forgiveness by telling a story, by sharing a parable. And he tells this parable of the unmerciful servant. So we have, we have this servant where the scripture says he owes 10,000 talents. In today's, in today's money, uh, commentators I've read, they said that the modern day value of 10,000 talents would be somewhere between 12 million and 1 billion dollars. This guy owed some serious debt, okay? He owed a debt, as the song would say, that he could never pay, right? He can never repay this debt. No matter what his promises were, you know, I'll pay back every penny. No, you're not. <laughs> I could spin off on a rabbit trail concerning, you know, national debt and 
what we're doing. I don't want to go there. <laughs> so the master, who is owed as much as a billion dollars, says, sell this guy. Not only just him, but his whole family and everything he owned. Figured this guy's never going to repay me. He's never going to have the capability to fully repay me, so I might as well get what I can get. We'll just sell him, his kids, everything he's got, and at least I'll get something back. And the guy begs for mercy. I mean, even at that, you know, the, some of my studies show that the going rate for a slave was one talent. The guy owed 10,000 talents. So even if he had a whole bunch of kids, right, not even going to put a dent in what his debt is. But the guy cries out for compassion. He says he prostrates himself. He throws himself on the floor and begs for mercy. And this master, moved with compassion, he shows him mercy. Forgiving a debt that he knew he was never going to see back anyway. He forgives the guy. Now the scene changes. And it's no longer the master and the slave, but it's two slaves, as Jesus goes on to tell his story. And so this guy who had just been forgiven a billion-dollar debt, as much as a billion dollars, is with one of his fellow slaves, a contemporary, a colleague, as it were. And the servant, this, this fellow slave, owes a hundred denarii, which is about a hundred days' wages. So it's no small debt either. You know, over three months' wages, anybody's book, that's a pretty significant debt. But it's nothing <laughs> compared to the billion dollars that just got written off on this other guy. And so he, he asked his fellow slave, have patience with me, and I'll pay you all of it. Does it sound familiar? <laughs> Isn't that what he, the other guy just begged the master? You know, please, I'll, I'll repay everything. But except this guy had a greater likelihood of actually being able to repay. It might take a little while to pay off three months of debt, but it's not insurmountable. It's not impossible. But he gets a very different, very different response. Even though he cried out for mercy, he didn't get it from his fellow slave. He puts him into a debtor's prison. But word gets back to the master. Some of the other slaves who seen what went on, they weren't happy about this. The master finds out, and he tells him, he calls him a wicked servant. And the new, the new American Standard says, he delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. Not just that he would be in prison, <laughs> but to the torturers. And he gives the servant, he gives the slave who had originally been forgiven, he had been originally shown mercy, he gave him what he deserved, which was judgment. Then in verse 35, Jesus makes application. I mean, this is a pretty sobering story even up to this point. But verse 35 on is what kind of shakes me to my core and gets my attention. Jesus tells us basically that forgiveness from the heart is required. It's required of all of us who've been forgiven. 
He says, the heavenly Father will also do the same to you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Ooh, ouch. Those words, that verse 35, puts the fear of God in my heart. Keep in mind, Jesus is speaking in parabolic form up until this point, but in verse 35, he's talking about his father. He's talking about our father. And he's telling us that if we behave in this manner, that this is the same thing that's going to happen to us. I'm getting the impression that Jesus takes this forgiveness thing very seriously. How about you? I know I have debt that I can never repay. Never. My whole life. The scripture says that my righteousness is as filthy rags. What does my sin look like? <laughs> right? That even my best would never add up to pay off you know, my debt. There's nothing I could have done. I could, I could live my whole life as a good man, and it still would never be enough to earn the forgiveness that I needed. I never could pay the debt I owed. God knew that. He sent Jesus. He paid that debt for me. I'm convinced that no man could possibly offend me to the degree that my sin was offensive in the sight of God. I mean, this Christian life's hard enough with Jesus sometimes. Man, when I'm not tight with him, <laughs> my capacity for sin, <laughs> my appetite for iniquity astounds me. Even after 30 years as a Christian. But the blood of Jesus has been enough. I paid for it all 30 years ago, 33 years ago when I gave my life to him, and it continues to pay for it. In light of what's been forgiven me, I have no right to withhold forgiveness from another person, no matter what they've done to me. And like you, I've had people do some pretty horrific things to me. I still don't have a right to withhold forgiveness. I think unforgiveness is probably the most dangerous thing, the most dangerous act, exercise or practice um, for a Christian. Unforgiveness. Here's a couple of quotes I found that spoke to me. I heard Patty Mapes say once. You guys know who Patty is? I love Patty. I heard Patty say once when she taught a, a course, um, when she was teaching a course, she says, Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping that someone else gets sick. <laughs> right? Unforgiveness is like drinking poison but hoping somebody else gets sick. That unforgiveness, it stays in us like a poison. It's a death to our spirits, just like that poison would be to our bodies. We think that we've imprisoned this other person because we haven't forgiven them, and yet we discover that the bars we see are our own little cage, right? They're not imprisoned, we are. We're the ones who are in bondage. I found another quote by a, a George Herbert. He a, was a Welsh poet and priest. 
And this one just seemed particularly apropos for us as a bridge church. He says, he who cannot forgive breaks the bridge over which he himself must pass. He who cannot forgive breaks the bridge over which he himself must pass. Man, that's a word for us, right? That's, that's a word for this church. That's a clear word. Unforgiveness, <laughs> unforgiveness will break the bridge. Unforgiveness will. So let me tell you, I mean, we looked at the text. I think it's a pretty fair rendering of the text. Let me tell you what forgiveness isn't, and I'll tell you what I think forgiveness is. Forgiveness isn't saying that the other person wasn't wrong. That's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness isn't saying the other person was right. They were wrong. They were not right. Forgiveness isn't saying that it didn't hurt or it didn't happen. Denial and repression isn't forgiveness. <laughs> right? It really happened. The wound is really there. It really hurt. They really did it. They were really wrong, and you were the one who was really wrong. Forgiveness isn't a feeling. Forgiveness isn't an emotion. Forgiveness is a choice. Forgiveness is a decision of your will. And it's, for me, sometimes it's been a choice I've had to make again and again and again and again. That old 70 times 7 thing. He wasn't kidding with that. I have to choose to forgive. It's a conscious choice. Sometimes I have to say it out loud. Father, I choose to forgive them. <laughs> Even though they just did it again. <laughs> and I found, honestly, I found, by practicing this, that eventually, as I continue to make the right choice, the wise choice, that eventually my feelings catch up. They're usually not there in the beginning. But eventually my feelings will catch up. I get to the point where I can see that person and I don't get a knot in my stomach. Or I can drive past their house and not grumble under my breath. Stupid. Jerk. Idiot. I'm the only one who does that, right? <laughs> Eventually, I get to that place where I don't grumble as much. Where I don't grumble at all. Forgiveness is canceling the debt. It's so, I mean, that's what makes this parable so great. It said a debt is canceled. When you forgive someone, it's like you take the IOU you've been holding on to and you tear it up. It's like you've held the mortgage on their life, on their heart, on the circumstance. And you decide, I'm going to tear up the mortgage. I'm going to tear up the IOU. I owe you, they, they owe you no longer. You're no longer going to hold this over their head. You're no longer going to seek repayment or retribution or revenge. It's saying, I'm going to trust God. 
to execute justice in this. He'll bring justice for me. Now, I know that most of you guys here are Christians, and you have been for a long time. I'm sure this isn't the first time you've ever heard a message on forgiveness. Or you've heard anybody speak out of this text in Matthew 18. And I'm certainly not telling you this to to bum you out. That's not my heart. I just think it's important that if we want to be a people who live love, and I believe we do, that this is one of the practical, tangible, real-life, everyday ways that we live out living love. And that if we don't become really good at forgiving, I don't know that we can ever truly become really good at living love. I believe with all my heart, I believe. We've come here for this reason. I believe God wants to do God-sized things in this place. I'm convinced of that. And yet I know that for him to build, to do God-sized things in our midst, that that has to stand upon a solid foundation of loving and trusting relationships. It has to. If we can't exercise and regularly practice forgiveness with one another, our foundation will never be strong enough to bear the weight of the God-sized things that he wants to entrust to us. Unforgiveness would be like cracks in our foundation. It weakens the foundation. Jesus put it this way in Matthew 12. He says, Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. Forgiveness begins to repair the cracks in our foundation, and it prepares us for God-sized things. Forgiveness builds bridges. <laughs> it does. Forgiveness builds bridges. It builds a bridge where the, it tears down the wall that once stood between people, and it builds, a, it replaces a bridge in its place. I want to see in our church where we live our name, where the bridge, where we make it our choice to choose to build bridges between one another continually. Where we choose to build bridges between us and other churches continually. Forgiveness is going to be required for that. We have to tear down where walls once stood and build bridges in their place. That's going to require forgiveness. I want to see us build bridges to the community. And we may need forgiveness... I'm pretty sure that we better get good at forgiveness in-house because I'm sure that when we go out of house, we'll have lots of opportunity to practice forgiveness. You know, the, the world doesn't like the church. It really doesn't. And it shouldn't. The church has a horrible reputation, and we've earned that reputation. We have. And we've got to change how we do what we do if we're ever going to get them to trust us. Practicing forgiveness with the world is going to be really necessary. Uh, More on that. 
how the world views us in weeks or months to come. So forgiveness tears down walls and it builds bridges. Okay. Let me get let me get a little more real with you, okay? I've only been here a short time, I think five or six Sundays now. But I've learned a few things. And none of it surprises me. It's pretty typical of most churches I've ever been part of or I've seen. And this church has been around for 16 years. Over the last 16 years, there's been friction between some of you guys. Right? Am I lying? (laughs) And we, as Christians, we become pretty good at just ignoring it. We'll just ignore the friction. I don't know. Ignoring it doesn't make it go away. It doesn't make it better. Most of us men, right, we get sick. We don't want to go to the doctor. We'll just ignore it. If I ignore it long enough, it'll go away. It hasn't worked so good for me concerning health care. In the body, if there's issues between you guys, it's not going to go away if you ignore it. And the evidence, the proof of it is that some of the things that have stood between you have been there a long time. And they still haven't gone away, have they? You guys are good. Everybody standing forward just looking straight. I won't look this way or this way. I want to be real. I want us to be real. I don't want to be religious. I hate, hate, hate being religious. I hate when I discover religious tendencies in me. Loving one another is not the same as ignoring that there's a problem between us. That's not loving one another. That's just immature. Loving one another means that I'm going to choose to actually deal with the real stuff. Conflict isn't a bad thing. It's not. Conflict in a relationship is not a bad thing. Conflict in a relationship is usually a sign that it's time for the relationship to go deeper. It is. There are are generally three phases to a relationship. Painting with a wide brush. I don't think I've shared this here yet. But the three phases to a relationship are this. There's a superficial level. There's a familiar level. And then there's the intimate level. Superficial is like when you first start dating with one another, right? Nadine and I first started dating over 30 years ago, and every time I picked her up, I had my best clothes on. I didn't wear the T-shirt that was dirty with a rip in it, right? (laughs) I wore the stuff that was clean and smelled good. She always looked good. It was superficial. I couldn't risk to wear my ratty old T-shirt because then she might reject me. There was no substance. There was no basis yet to our relationship. We were at the beginning phases. It was superficial. I knew that we were ready to move beyond the superficial level in our relationship the first time I was willing to look at her and say, no, I disagree. We had enough enough, um, 
history together, where I was willing to risk the possibility of her rejecting me. And I could say, I don't agree. So for a relationship to go from superficial level to the familiar level, people have to choose to cross a bridge called conflict. And they need to learn how to cross that bridge holding hands and both be willing to go. It's not easy, but it's worth it. It's worth it because superficial sucks. It does. It just does. I can't stay there very long. I'm willing to start there because it's how you build relationship. You've got to start somewhere. But I don't want to live my life there. And so, you know, we go from superficial to familiar. To get from familiar to intimate relationships, you've got to cross another bridge. And it's usually a bigger bridge. And that one's called conflict, too. It's just a bigger conflict. But it's so worth it. There's nothing quite like having real, true, intimate relationship. We have been blessed. Nadine and I have been blessed over the years. All the different places we've been. We've had some amazing friends. They all started superficial. And many of them got to the place of being intimate, but only because we've dealt with different issues of conflict. Now, too often in churches, what I've found is this. We get to that place. We're faced with the bridge. There's a conflict. And instead of holding hands and choosing to cross that bridge to the other side together, let's go to another church. <laughs> it's easier. Right? Or one person's willing to cross the bridge and the other. One person gets so frustrated, they throw the other off the bridge. <laughs> Done with you. Forgiveness will get us across the other side of the bridge. Unforgiveness will leave us stagnated on one side of the bridge. The conflict's still in front of us. The bridge doesn't go away. If we ignore it, it's not like it disappears. It's still there. But forgiveness is when we choose to hold hands. Okay, this is hard. This isn't easy. But I'm going to decide right now that it's more important to love than to be right. There's a method to my madness here. You tracking? Mm-hmm. It's more important to love than to be right. I will take hold of your hand and committed to you as my brother and my sister, we will cross over to the other side of this bridge together. Sometimes it's easier said than done. Sometimes it's really hard. Make no mistake. But it's worth it. Sometimes it means denying yourself, taking up the cross, and following him. Sometimes it means crucifixion of the flesh. It means dying to you. It's dying to your need to be right. Or dying to your position of power. I mean, Jesus is our example. Was there anyone ever more right than him? He was perfectly right. He never did anything wrong. He loved perfectly. And he chose to take the lowest place. 
truly nailed to that cross, shed every drop of his blood, forgave us. When we were still his enemy, Scripture says. So I'm going to give you a little homework, all right? Guys, it's time. It's time. It's long past time. It's time to forget the former things and no longer dwell on the past. God's doing a new thing. And you will be so much happier. You will be able to go forward so much more free if you can just forgive the offenses of yesterday. So you have homework. Go before God. Ask him to reveal to you who you need to forgive. Ask him to reveal to you who you need to forgive. And then forgive that person. If you need to forgive someone else, listen to me. I don't want you to go to them and say, you did horrible things against me, but I'm a wonderful Christian. I forgive you. (laughs) They may have no idea that they did horrible things to you. I've been on the receiving end of that. (laughs) Pastor, I've been mad at you for a year, but I want you to know I forgive you. (laughs) Wow, I had no idea you were mad at me for a year. So much for my prophetic gift. (laughs) Ask God to reveal to you who you need to forgive, and then cancel the debt. Just tear up that IOU. Forgive them. That's the easy part of your homework. Here's the hard part. Ask him to reveal to you whose forgiveness you, go, you need to ask. Ask him to reveal to you who you need to go to and ask them to forgive you. Now, this is how you do that, okay? I've had lots of practice in marriage. I go to Nadine, I say, Honey, I'm sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. And then I shut my mouth. Honey, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I don't explain. I don't excuse. I don't justify. Because every time I do that, I'm like taking, bought, I'm taking back part of the debt. Right? Honey, I was wrong. And I'm really sorry. I love you. Please forgive me. And you know what? She's good. <laughs> she, can, she forgives me every time. Okay. I remember one time I'd blown it big time. I don't know what I did. It was a long time ago. She was mad at me. Ooh. And so I think, oh, man, i got to pull out the big guns, right? <laughs> so I'd, I have a guitar. I'd written a song for her. I'd written this love song. So I take out the guitar and start singing the love song. She says, oh, no, you don't. (laughs) You better just put that guitar away. (laughs) Honey, I was wrong. (laughs) I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. That works. 
And when you do that, ask God who you need to go to. Who do you need to ask for forgiveness from? Because you've wounded them. You know in your heart, God's revealed to you that you've wounded that person. Request the forgiveness and then wait. Depending upon the degree of the wound and how long it's festered, they might need a little time. You know, again, going back to marriage. 28 years, I've learned a few things. There are times she says to me, just get out of my face, we'll talk later. <laughs> I have to get out of her face and just give her a little bit of time. And she comes around. Right? It depends on the degree of my stupidity. How stupid... <laughs> You know, how significant was the stupid husband trick I did this time? I asked her, honey, I'm sorry. I was wrong. I was really wrong. Please forgive me. And she might take the rest of the day. Or a couple of days. <laughs> Usually by the end of the day. She'll come to me. She'll say, I forgive you. And then making up is so much fun. That's your homework. First, and then there's, there's a reason to the order. First forgive, and then request forgiveness. Because Scripture says the measure you use is the measure you'll receive. Right? I need lots of forgiveness. So I want to give lots of forgiveness. I don't want to be on the other side of the equation. I don't want to be like this unmerciful servant who after God has been so good to me and so gracious to me that I would hold forgiveness from, from a brother or a sister. Okay, so your homework. Ask God who you need to forgive and then forgive them. Ask him if there's someone you need to go to and ask for forgiveness. Now you might have a hard time with this. But it's worth it. We want to go deeper levels of relationship. We want to truly love one another. We want the foundation of this church to be prepared to be able to carry the weight of God-sized things. We got to do this. We got to do this. If you need help, call me. I'll help you. I'll help you. I'll pray for you. I'll encourage you. I'll answer your questions. I'll help you. If it's really bad between two of you guys here, I'll sit with both of you if necessary. But ignoring it, it's not going to make it better. The bridge in Long Island has a long history and a promising future. Ignoring problems don't make them go away. If we're going to be real, if we're going to be real with one another, guys, we're going to hurt one another. If you want real relationships, it's not a matter if you're going to get hurt. It's just a matter of when. Right? Amen. The deepest wounds I've ever received have come from people in the church, not from people outside the church. And the deepest wounds have come from the people I've let in the closest. They were the ones who were close enough to plunge the knife in the deepest. And it also gave me the most opportunity to forgive. And, it, and there was the potential to go to deeper levels of relationship with them. 
but I got to choose to walk across that bridge. And intimacy, true, intimate friendship with one another, worth it every time. It's worth it every time. If you're looking for pain-free relationships, then you'll be trapped at the superficial level. Because that's about the only place where they exist. You don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. It's so unsatisfying. If we want to finish this race, if we want to fulfill our destiny, if we want to do all the things that God's called us to do, then we're going to have to become really good at forgiveness. And there's no time to start like today. No time like it. So let's pray. Father, I feel like I was meddling today. Kind of meddling in people's lives. But it feels like it's you. I'm pretty sure it was you. I pray for my friends here, Lord. And I ask, Lord, where the conflicts have been the greatest where the friction has been the hottest, I ask that you would pour out the oil of your spirit. Lord, let that be the place of greatest grace. Where we're weak, you come and be strong. Lord, where it's hardest for us to forgive, help us. Jesus, we can't do this thing on our own. It's impossible for us to do it on our own. But nothing's impossible with you. I believe your word that I can do all things in Christ. So Lord, I pray that we be real. Lord, I pray that we be genuine, that we be authentic. And Lord, if it's messy, so be it. Let it be messy. But take us to the other side. Get us across the bridge. Lord, for those of us who are not in that place, we will be someday. Lord, I pray that you would pour out humility. I pray that we would be humble. Let's beat each other to the lowest place. (laughs) Let's race to the lowest place. I pray, Lord, that as a body we would be holy. pray, Lord, that we would truly love one another in very real and very tangible ways. Thanks that you do that, Lord. So I'm not going to ask anybody to come forward today. That would be too awkward. But would you just close your eyes? And if, if, you're, if you just need a little extra help, if you're thinking... Oh, man, I'm feeling really convicted right now. I know, I know, I know this is for me. And with your eyes closed, nobody watching. Just put your hand up for a second just so I can pray for you. I'm not looking to identify anybody. I just want to be able to pray for people who need help. Okay. Lord, we need some help. Lord, I pray especially for those who raise their hands. 
Give them the help they need. Give them exactly what they need. Lord, I pray that it would be custom fit for each need. I pray that that what you would supply would be custom fit for each circumstance, each relationship. Lord, to encourage us, remind us of your great forgiveness for us. Remind us how much you've forgiven us. Remind us, Lord, how great our debt was. Remind us. Do it, Lord. And Father, I ask (laughs) that you don't let us off the hook. That we'd no longer be able to hide or ignore or run away. No more. No more of that. No more, Lord. Even now, in the Spirit, Lord, begin to repair the cracks. Some of you, you can forgive people. You can, you can make the choice of your will right now to forgive. There's nobody you even have to go to that. You can just choose to forgive. And, and I can feel in the Spirit that you are. The picture I see is some of those cracks that I'd seen in the foundation. Some of them are beginning to fill up when they're being repaired. Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. Fill in the cracks. Let forgiveness flow. Lord, I pray that we would live love. That we would be a people who live love. Do it, Lord. John, we got something mellow, something sweet we could play as background music. And I just want to leave an atmosphere here. If you need to spend some time just you and God. This is kind of like a you and him time. That you can have opportunity to do that. If you need to go, you're free to go. If you need to talk to somebody to ask for forgiveness, well then, be so bold you need to do that, do that. But just focus on him. Do it, Lord. Lord, truly make us to be like Jesus. Make us to be just like him. Amen? I love you guys.